0: God has more for you. Wherever you are in your walk with Jesus, God has more for you. More of himself to pour out, more of his likeness to impart, more of his power to meet you in your weakness, more of his faithfulness to steady you in your suffering. We believe God has more of himself for us and we want you to experience that here and now in our church. What if the church was where you experienced the most profound healing, the most significant transformation, and the most overwhelming sense of God's presence and power? What if it was a setting for the person and character of God being infused in every aspect of who you are and who you are becoming? If we're honest, while it may indeed be our expressed desire, this profound transformation is not often our experience, neither as individuals nor as participants in the church all too frequently the experience of many followers of jesus is more akin to spiritual frustration than spiritual formation for others spiritual formation that active formation of our whole self heart soul mind and strength into the likeness of jesus is often haphazard and shallow rather than intentional and deep while we long to experience the fulfillment of all that is possible as his followers we're often left with a gap between our expectations and reality. Fueled by the belief that Jesus renews all things, our mission at Fellowship Church is to call every person to take their next step of faith with Jesus as a new person, with a new family, on a new mission. We believe Jesus makes you a new person with a new identity as a son or daughter of God. We believe he gives you a new family, a people to belong to and be shaped with as you follow him. And we believe that he sends you on a new mission to joyfully give up your life for the sake of others. We seek to be deeply formed by these truths, to not only know them, but to walk out their realities. And doing so requires intentionality and a process for growing in Christ's likeness. Just as Jesus often employed earthly images such as vines and branches, seeds and figs and wheat as metaphors for growth, we use the image of a trellis in a garden to represent spiritual growth. Often made of wood or metal, a trellis provides a framework to support seedlings as they begin to grow. To withstand the elements, young plants are woven along the trellis where they're supported, becoming stronger and flourishing to maturity. This guidebook serves as our trellis, it's a way to help you grow and mature into Christ's likeness. The growth is based on a foundation of truth, coupled with spiritual practices, lived out with others in community, and fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's begin with truth. John one fourteen reads, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, Full of grace and truth. The truth we believe shapes how we live. Who am I? Who is Jesus? And what is the story of the Bible? Our answers to these questions have far reaching implications for our lives. We must be people anchored deeply in the truths that are revealed in God's Word, and we must know the truth of His Word in order to be set free. However, While knowing the truth is essential, it is not sufficient. There are many good and beautiful doctrinal truths in the Bible, but they are not simply a set of beliefs to which we mentally assent. Far more than a principle, the scriptures proclaim that truth is a person found in Jesus Christ. He is the revelation of ultimate truth, and it is by Him and through Him that we grow in truth and can stand against the enemy's lies. In John 17, 17, Jesus prayed to the Father on behalf of his disciples and asked, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. The truth sanctifies us as the written and living word works in and through us. We are not meant only to know the word, but to do the word and to work the word into the very fabric of our being. The truth must lead us into a deeper love for God and into greater obedience to the will of God. How does this happen then? How does the truth genuinely begin to change us from the inside out? Well, this is where the second piece of spiritual formation comes in. The practices. The practices. 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. Train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value... Godliness is of value in every way, and it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The practices, sometimes called spiritual disciplines, are the intentional rhythms of life that cultivate profound transformation in the entire person—spirit, soul, and body, heart, mind, and will— Just as our hearts grow strong through exercise, our life in Christ grows strong through the practices of Scripture reading and meditation, through fasting and prayer, silence and solitude, hospitality, justice, and generosity. Designed to get the truths into our daily lives, they are the means of knowing Christ more and more. Matthew records this telling statement of Jesus in Matthew 23. Then Jesus said to the crowds and his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They preach, but do not practice. There it is. They are saying truthful things about God, but God himself is not genuinely forming their lives. Engaging in the practices alone is not the goal. The goal is Christlikeness. But the practices are the way we continually place our whole selves before God, shaping our lives around rhythms that keep us near to the heart of Jesus. Paul meant this when he wrote, "...seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its Creator." Colossians 3, 9 and 10 But truth and practices are meant to be expressed with others. We cannot truly grow into Christ's likeness without others. We need a community of people to join us on the journey. There are dozens and dozens of practices in the Bible, and some may engage your heart and mind more than others, depending on your season of life. Instead of simply listing and explaining in detail every practice in the Scriptures, we've curated a simplified list, categorizing them within our values of new person, new family, and new mission. A final word about practices. Some of you will be tempted to rush through, ready to do each one every day because it gives you a sense of control and achievement. Doing this risks the practices becoming legalistic and may eventually harm your soul. Remember, the practices exist as a means for Christ to be more deeply formed in you. That is the goal. Community Romans 12.10 reads, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. While the world extols rugged individualism, the Word of God is replete with encouragement to serve, love, admonish, accept, and be at peace with one another. This is why community is the third part of spiritual formation. God designed us to live in community with others. What Christ works into us is worked out within the context of community. Living life alongside other believers is how the truth of who Jesus is and the practices we're pursuing begin shaping us most deeply. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, Christian community is the Christian's sanctification. Put plainly, transformation into Christ-likeness cannot happen in isolation. We need the church. We need the new family. Truth, practices, and people sanctify us. The Holy Spirit John sixteen thirteen and 14 reads when the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit sits at the center of truth, practices, and community. John chapters 14 through 17 is one of the richest veins of truth in the scriptures. Scholars call it the upper room discourse, and it is where Jesus gives his final teaching to the apostles before his betrayal and execution. In it, Jesus regularly mentions his leaving to the apostles, and he begins to tell his followers about the coming of the Holy Spirit and the work the Spirit will do. There are three things to note. First, John 14, verses 16 and 17 reads, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive— because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The first role Jesus ascribes to the Spirit is that the truth will be the foundation of his work. It will be truth unknowable and even unreceivable by those not marked by Jesus as his own. Second, In the Upper Room Discourse, Jesus repeatedly tells the apostles to keep his commands and his words. He insists they will show themselves to be not truly of his work if they don't. We cannot be perfect, but Jesus reminds them of the coming Spirit, which he often calls the Helper. John 14, 26 and 27 illustrates this. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Third, the Holy Spirit will call us into community with the members of the triune God and with one another. Reread John 14:26 and 27 in the above section, then dwell on how that section is preceded by John fourteen twenty three and 24. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Here we see the interworking of the Trinity to come to make a home with you and then help you inside that home. But it doesn't stop there. In John chapter 17, Jesus prays what is called the high priestly prayer, a prayer to the Father on behalf of the church. Part of that prayer is found in John 17:22 and 23. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Jesus prays that we will be unified with the Trinity itself. How? Through the work of the Holy Spirit. How will that unity manifest? By following Jesus' commands taught by the Holy Spirit and resulting in us loving God and each other more. Spiritual formation is initiated, supported, and sustained by the Spirit, not by our efforts. As we respond The Spirit shapes us into the image of Jesus as He wills and in His timing. Spiritual formation is not something you do, rather, it is a response to the divine invitation, an invitation that is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. The Invitation. To work the truths and practices more deeply into everything we do as a church, we've structured our disciple-making vision, strategy, and offerings around the trellis model. You can become more like Christ. It is possible. The Holy Spirit will empower and equip you to do just that as you take your next step of faith in Jesus. So come further up and come further in. God has more for you.